Well, we are in the series, Jesus, Teach Us How to Pray. And those who are physically able, I'm going to ask, if you will, to turn with me to the gospel according to Matthew and chapter 6, and we will read one verse again. It is verse 9. And through the weeks, we will continue to build upon this beautiful prayer, the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, taught by Jesus Himself, that many of you are also going through in your Sunday school and Bible study times. Matthew 6, 9. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word today, and you may be seated. Hallowed be your name. Today I speak to you about caring properly for the name of our God. Hallowed be your name. You know, when we come to the Lord's Prayer, many of us have been raised in church and we've heard those words. And if you haven't, that's fine. And I rejoice that you're here today learning about this. Uh, Today in this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus is teaching us still today how to pray through it. But we can be tempted to swiftly pass over these words, especially for us who have heard it all of our life. We have heard the song, The Lord's Prayer, and we have heard the Lord's Prayer recited in services, at funerals, weddings. We can be tempted to swiftly pass over, hallowed be your name, as if it's just an introduction to the prayer or a proper prologue to the prayer that sounds pretty and useful that is kind of a bridge to usher us into our petitions and those things that we are about to ask the Lord for, the Father. But beloved, don't pass over these words too quickly. Hallowed be your name. Don't pass over too quickly without seeing their powerful implications and the instruction from Jesus Christ that we find in this beautiful prayer that teaches us also how to pray. A father once sent his young son into a field to remove a large rock before the plowing of the ground was to take place. And uh, he walked up after a while to find his son struggling immensely to unearth this large rock and sweat beads dropping off the young man and frustrated and he said the father said to the son son are you trying your hardest the boy quickly responded after being dirty and sweaty and struggling and he he responded with a hint of sharpness yes i'm trying my hardest and the father quickly but calmly replied no you're not because you haven't asked for my help And so let's go to the Lord and ask Him for His help today. Our Father, we come to You as many today, but yet as one. Teach us, Lord, how to talk to You. And what is upon Your heart, Lord, that we should be mindful of in our prayers? Bless these with Your presence that have come this day. And for those that would have loved to, but are physically unable, comfort them today as well, Lord, and speak to them. In Christ's name, amen. 
hallowed be your name. This is a proclamation of praise, but I want you to understand it's more than a proclamation of praise. It's more than just saying praise your name or may your name be made holy. This itself is actually the first petition. It's the first prayer request of the model prayer. Greek reads like this, let be sanctified your name. In our vernacular we would say, let your name be set apart as holy. It's a request. It's the first in this prayer. Our Father in heaven, that's who we're praying to. Let your name be set apart as holy above all the world and all the earth and above everything in my life. He's not just setting the name apart, but He is teaching us to ask His name to be made greater than anything in our life and in the world around us. Let Your name, Lord, be set apart as great and magnificent and holy to all the earth. Draw people unto Your name. And isn't this our Christian service to be in all areas of our life? As we walk about, we are, should be seeking and looking for ways with the Spirit's help to glorify the name of our God and our Redeemer. Whether we be at work or at play, wherever we are, but I want to say especially in our prayers. Especially in our prayer, God is to be praised, but we are also being taught here by Jesus Christ to ask the Father to glorify His name. To set it above everything else in this world. To set it apart from all things in this world. We must seek out what keeps us from glorifying the name of God. And we need to seek out in our lives what keeps us from asking for the name of God to be set apart from all things in this world. And with God's help, we must destroy it. I don't know about you, but there are things in my life, sin and distraction, temptation, to keep my greatest desire being from the name of my God being first in all things. Sometimes it casual distractions, temptations, anger, frustration, whatever it might be, there are many things we need to seek out that is keeping us from asking in our prayers and in our life, God be set apart as holy and glorious through my life and in my prayers. Hallowed be Your name. Let Your name be set apart as holy is to be a great joy of each Christian that is named a child of God, a child of the Father. And as children of the Father, we are stewards of the name of our Father. So not only is it our joy, it is our responsibility because we have been called children of the Father, children of God, adopted through the person and work and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son that the Father sent into the world to redeem and to build the family of God. We are stewards of the name of God. I'm a steward of the name of living good. 
I've reminded my son of that. My father reminded me of that. But most more importantly and more and greater, we are stewards of the name of the Father as children of God. We should care for the name of God and how it is represented through our lives and in our world today. In Numbers 14, 11 through 19, we see an interesting conversation going on between the Lord and Moses. And just to set the scene here, Moses had sent a representative, a spy, if you will, from each of the twelve tribes into the promised land to search it out and to bring back report to the rest of the nation of Israel before they were to enter into the land that God had promised them. God said, I'll give you this land. Only two came back with a positive report that we can take the land in the power and the name of God who has promised it to us. The other ten spies said, There's, the land's too great for us. The people are too mighty. We're like grasshoppers next to them. And then they, they came against Moses and Aaron. And God was, was displeased and upset. And then we come to this conversation in Numbers 14, 11 through 19. And then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. Wow. And I will make of you, Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. So God is saying, Moses, I'm willing to wipe out these people and we'll start over and I'll make a a great nation of you greater than they were. I don't believe for a moment that God was going to do that because he knew the heart of Moses. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. You see, they had been brought out of captivity from the Egyptians. He said, but wait a minute, God. Then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might you brought these people up from among them. You brought them out of slavery and bondage from the Egyptians. And then they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. And then he says, now if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring his people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness." In other words, Moses is saying, if you kill these people now, your enemies are going to say, well, that God wasn't too strong. He couldn't even bring His people into a land that He said He was giving them. Moses went on to say, and now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great. Just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt unto now. I want you to notice that Moses here was concerned what God's enemies would think about God's name. 
If you kill the people, they won't see the glory and power of Almighty God. If you destroy them, they won't see your mighty character of patience and loving kindness and mercy. They won't see your power. They won't see those things, Lord, if you do not bring your chosen people into the land that you had promised them. Moses was concerned about the name of God. Brokenhearted, disheartened, upset, angry of all the rejection and unbelief of these people. And yet Moses was offered to be made a great nation, greater than the one that came out of Egypt. And Moses said, but Lord, if you do that, if you do that, your enemies will not see the glory of your name. As stewards of God's name, our priority too is to honor God's name. Do people see the glory of God in our lives? Unfortunately, I fail at that at times. Do they see the power of God's redeeming grace flow from my life? Do they see how God has kept me? These are questions I have to ask and that I'll be held accountable for one day. But our priority also in prayer is to honor God, not just to get what we want. And unfortunately, that's how many people treat prayer. They're looking to get what they can get. Their first concern is not as stewards of the name of God, of the name of the Father to treat it as holy in their actions of life, but also in their prayer. Above all other things, the chief end of our prayers is that God's name will be glorified and magnified and set apart for the world to see. And don't we want this for our Father as children of God? See, the Pharisees didn't desire that. In Matthew 6, 5, we see Jesus teaching again before He goes into the model prayer or the Lord's prayer. And He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Speaking of the Pharisees, the religious people of their day, the religious leaders. He said, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. They wanted to be glorified. They wanted to be magnified. They wanted to be set apart as righteous before the people. They were not concerned with the name of the Father. And Jesus said, they have their reward. And you seek your glory, you get your reward here. And not throughout eternity. I believe that once the Father sees a person... Once the Father sees a people, a church, that's chief end is to honor His name, I believe that God hears that prayer and He honors the prayers of that person and that people. When that prayer, and that prayer's chief end is to honor the name of God, to set apart the name of God that others might see, 
not only Christians and be drawn to the glory of God, but also unbelievers. I believe God hears and honors that prayer. We are stewards of God's name. You know, I've been raised in the church. I say that many times. We often speak of being good stewards. I've heard that a lot through my life and in many different churches, from being a kid at Waco, on to Emmanuel, and even here. We use that term. We're supposed to be good stewards, and yes, we are. And yes, we are. We use that many times for leverage of what our pet peeves are. I'm preaching. Are you hearing me say amen? Look at me real good. We'll use that when we want what's important to us taken care of. And there are things that need to be taken care of. Especially the things that God's blessed us with. Not, not saying that that is not true at all, but I am saying this, my friend. Before you use that line for anything else, a building, a parking lot, other physical aspects of our building, programs, ministries, whatever it is, don't ever forget the greatest thing we've been given is not a building, not carpet, not windows, not a parking lot, not stripes on the parking lot, nothing else. The greatest thing we've been given that we are stewards of is the name of the Father. And it is to be glorified and lifted up and set apart as holy before anything else that God has blessed us with. Let your name be set apart as holy. We are stewards because we are children of God, adopted into the family of God by the sacrificial life of Jesus Christ, our elder brother. When we pray, hallowed be your name, or let your name be set apart as holy, we're doing these things that I'm about to share with you. First, we're surrendering the glory of our name to the glory of the name of the Father. You might say, well, that's easy to kind of slide off the tongue, for me especially sometimes. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, praise be to the Lord, but it's different to truly live that out sometimes. More difficult than we let on at times. But when we come to a part as children of God, praying unto our Father, adopted into the family of God and stewards of the Father's name, and we come to Him praying, God, I want Your name to be glorified above my name. We are surrendering our name and glory of our name to the glory to the name of our Father. And when we do this, listen, when you do this, when you can come to a place where that's not just lip service, but that's, that's really genuine from, coming from your heart and soul. When you do this, you're praying and you're doing what is best for you by doing what's best for the Father. When you want God's will to be done and you want His name to be honored and glorified, you as a child of the Father... We're doing what is best for you. We're putting His name above ours, which in turn is what's best for His children. Because here's the truth, beloved. He's going to make His name holy and set apart and sanctified whether we pray it or not. That's promised in the book. He's going to do it whether you care about it or not. 
And so when we surrender our name and the glory of our name and the honor of our name to the glory of the name of the Father, we're doing what He's going to do anyway. And we're doing what's best for us as His children. We are praying God's will. We know that's God's will. We often say, I don't know what God's will is in aspects of our life. But this is one you can know. That God's name is going to be set apart as holy and righteous and glorious over all the earth. So when we pray for His name to be set apart as holy for others to see His glory, we're praying God's will. And therefore, we're aligning our will with the will of the Father. And since He's going to glorify His name in all the world, that all the world would see it and hear it, we're praying what God desires, and we again reap the benefit when His glory is revealed. How many of you know at home when the father received a raise, the children benefited? Now I realize that's a flimsy illustration, but maybe not so much. When, when daddy received a raise, we benefited if he was a good father. Now you take that and multiply that times eternity to the true heavenly father. When His people lift up His name and pray for His name to be seen above all other things as glorious and holy, His children reap the benefits. Those who have trusted in His name. Those who have surrendered their will for the will of the Father. It is a joy, it is a responsibility, but also to pray, Hallowed be Thy name is a benefit to the children. But it also means we're praying like Jesus. A couple of quick short verses I just wanted to point out this morning. Jesus prayed in John 12, 28. He said, Father, glorify Your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. They're in the upper room. Jesus has just been anointed. They're about to prepare for the Lord's Supper. This is the night before His death. It's the night He would be betrayed by Judas. He knows His time has come to a close. They're about to celebrate this last supper, this last Passover together with His disciples. And here Jesus lifts up. He knows He's going to the cross. And He says, Father... Glorify your name. And he was very burdened. If you read the verse before that, verse 27, he was troubled greatly of knowing of what he was about to experience, of bearing the sins of the world upon his body. But he said, Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And then they, the Lord's Supper is has taken place and the last meal and they go out to pray and we come to what really many call the Lord's Prayer. It's the great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And you can read exactly the thought of what I'm getting across all through the prayer, but I just read the first verse of John 17 as Jesus is praying uh, the, the high priestly prayer, the Lord's Prayer 
for himself. And Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. He's speaking of the cross. He knows he's going to the cross to suffer like no other man has suffered before. And he says, glorify your son. In other words, lift me up. Draw all people to you through me. Lift up my name, and then he goes on, that your Son also may glorify you. Lift up the name of Jesus, that I will draw all men unto myself, and I will point them to the glory of the Father that we had before even the earth was formed. You see, all of Jesus' life was and still is today in heaven to do the will of the Father for the glory of the Father. He repeatedly said that. And the Pharisees hated Him for that because He equated Himself with God and yet come from God in the flesh as the Son of God. All that He did, He said, I do the will of the Father, the will of the Father, for the glory of the Father. I only speak what the Father tells me. You see, He is the perfect Son. And He's not only our example in the Christian life, but listen very closely to me. He's our Savior, and that is because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. You see, we need the Son of God, which is our elder brother in the family of God, to rescue us and to lead us into a right relationship with the Father. We need Jesus to pray to God. We need Jesus to help us pray properly to God and to pray for the Father's name to be set above all, all of creation that He may be praised. He not only teaches us how to pray, He is the way to pray to God. And so we see that hallowed be your name or let your name be set apart as holy to be praised is not only to be our joy of a child of God, it is also our responsibility because we are stewards of the name of God. It is also to our benefit as children of God. And it is the chief end of our prayers because the Father is worthy of glory. He is worthy of glory. And so He must receive it and will. We have to ask some questions when we come to a text like this or all the Word of God each day brings us to questions. I ask this as I've had to ask myself this week. What is the foundation or the chief end of our prayers? To make that more personal, your prayers. What is the foundation or the chief end of your prayers? Is it God's glory and honor? Or are we just praying, hoping to get what we want that will glorify us? That's a big question. And it's got to be answered. Our prayers are to be driven by the desire to honor God. God, my first prayer request is that You be glorified and that Your name will be lifted up. And especially through my life each day. And that others will be drawn to You. See Your glory and salvation 
and be rescued from hell and find peace with their Creator. And God, I long for the day as one that is surrendered and trusted to You to see Your name lifted up because we see every day everything else that's lifted up from pop stars to movie stars to sports stars, all these other stars. There seems to be so little of genuine people that really want the name of God to be set apart and seen and His glory revealed. It should be our desire and our chief end for God to be glorified. 